my grandfather on my father's side was a professional boxer. On my mother's side, we had a Olympic weightlifting. It was on the US Olympic weightlifting team back in the 60s. So I was surrounded by sports and athletic people, mainly in you know strength uh, athletes, weightlifters, boxers, uh, and, and fighters. So I've long, uh, long history of um, combative sports, martial arts. My father was a martial artist, uh, martial arts instructor when I was young. So I grew up in a lot of dojos. So surrounded by Asian art and Asian philosophies, which is why. I have the tattoo. So it's uh, when I was, uh, I tell the story when I was a kid and I saw one of the masters from Japan changing. And he had a full, full bodysuit, Japanese bodysuit, done the old school style. I was amazed and just was like, that, that is what I want to do when I, when I get older. So uh, as soon as I got to the University of Connecticut doctoral program, I decided. Okay, now uh, now I can uh, do what I want with my body because everyone has to love me for my mind now. So, uh, but that, so so that's sort of the history of the of of the of the tattoos. But while I was at Yale, you know, writing for Muscle and Fitness, I have a background in English. I, I love to write, and so they actually asked me if I would consider leaving academia to be their science editor. And I thought well, this is a great opportunity, you know. Few people are bridging that gap between what's going on in the lab, what my colleague and my, myself are doing in the lab, and teaching people what does that mean? How do you apply it? What do you do? What does this mean? Uh, if you eat this, does it reduce cancer? Does it improve your bed press? Does it make you run faster, live longer? You know, there's a lot of research that's sort of suggesting things, but no researcher wants to hang their hat and say, yeah, you should eat more broccoli, or yeah, you should take creatine. So I saw that as an opportunity to be able to help people and take what's going on in the lab and apply it in the real world and test it. You know, that's the thing, is I'm all about not just what goes on in the lab. You really can't design a perfect study, just it's impossible. So you have to be able to look at what's going on in both the lab and the real world and sort of combine your conclude, create your conclusions from that combination because it's important. So I've been the educator for, oh, I don't know, since I left academia in 2002. Uh, I'm headed to California where Muscle Fitness Reader Publishing uh, is located much of the surprise of a lot of my colleagues. They're like, where, where are you going? You're going where to do what? You're leaving Yale School of Medicine to do what? The uh, science editor of Muscle Magazine? Why would you do that? I said, no, no, this is, trust me, this is sort of, you know, my calling come full circle now. I really got into the research because of reading Muscle and Fitness. And so this is sort of, you know, me coming back and, uh, you know, doing sort of what I think I was supposed to, to do instead of stick with the academia, doing the research, bringing and bridging that gap to the rest of the world. So, um, I, I since left uh, 
uh, muscle and fitness, uh, and started my own supplement line of my own website, jimstapani.com. And you know, really, what I tell people is I'm really an educator. And you know, what I learned back at University of Connecticut as a doctoral student, we had a course on getting your PhD. They actually gave us a course. They would sit us down and tell you, you know, this is, just because you have a PhD doesn't mean you're some super genius and you're just gonna head out there and teach the world. You're just starting. You're just, it's like a, in martial arts, we say when you get your black belt, you're not a, you're not a black belt. You're ready to learn to be a black belt when you get your black belt. So when you get your PhD, you're sort of ready to learn how to be a PhD. You're not really a PhD. You've got to go out there, continue doing research, postdoctoral research, continuing to learn and educate at the same time. But they also taught us that we have a responsibility to share what we've learned as we go. There's many people who are willing to listen. And uh, that, you know, really stuck <coughs> with me, which is, you know, why I've really, like I said, taken to writing to the magazines. And when I was at the magazines, the reason I left the magazines was they just weren't able to see the future of publishing, which was digital, digitizing everything. The magazines back when I was at Muscle and Fitness in uh, early 2000s, they thought the internet was cannibalizing the print media. Uh, they weren't able to adapt. And so I created my own website, my own app, uh, and took to social media just to answer people's questions. Because I, like I said, that responsibility, I saw that responsibility, and there's ways of educating people that are new and developed. Social media is one of the best ways. I use my Twitter account as an open Q&A. People ask me questions, I give them answers. Pretty much all my social media, you go to my Facebook, you can go to my Instagram, I'll get you guys an answer within 24 hours because it's important to me, I'm an educator. So that's really uh, what interests and, and drives me. And so today what I'm gonna to talk to you guys about, and I'll, I'll keep this pretty brief, but I, I really love doing Q and A's where you guys come give me your questions and, and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll answer because I know you guys have a, a lot of questions, but let's, um, let's just start on today's topic. And it's education, the key to creating a better, safer, supplement industry. Now, the supplement industry is a very uh, interesting industry. There are many, many problems with uh, the supplement industry, unfortunately. You can switch next. Okay. So, one of them is what we've known as proprietary blend. So, a proprietary blend basically is when a supplement company doesn't want to doesn't want to tell you what uh, what ingredients and more actually the doses of the ingredients in their product. So here you can see 
uh, on this one that they give some dosing on this tricreatine ATP fusion, five grams, but in this uh, intracellular plasma matrix, which is 6.75 grams, which is taurine, gluconolactone, alanine, they don't give you any of the dosing of how much caffeine is in here, how much theanine, L-aspartic acid. None of that is listed, and that's important because there's a reason they don't want you to know. Now, they used to say, well, it's because it's a proprietary blend. It's a magic formula. We don't want to give it away. It's our intellectual property. Well, what you can see here is it's really not about intellectual property at all. It's about dosing. Take this uh, plasma matrix, six point, let's call this seven grams here, seven grams. It's got taurine in it, where you need at least a gram. Gluconolactone, beta-alanine, let's say we need a good two grams in here, L-aspartic acid, L-tyrosine, another gram, choline, caffeine, L-theanine. Do we know if that's enough or not? You don't, you don't know if this adds up. Now, when you get into another problem on concentrates, concentrates are basically where you're getting a, what they call a microdosed product or a concentrated product. Now, what a concentrated product means is that it's a very small dose. Here the scoop on this one is 4.4 grams, okay? 4,000 milligrams, that's 40 grams. A four gram scoop is minuscule. Now, look at, see beta-alanine? 750 milligrams in this product. That's nowhere near effective. That that dose you would need you would need to take probably at least four servings of this product to get uh, an effective dose. But then the other problem here with this concentrate is what is in this? It's just beta alanine, tyrosine, some vitamins, some caffeine, and a little bit of ginseng and some olive oil. You know, there's no real, other than the beta-alanine, there's, there's no true uh, synergies and effective ingredients here for, this is a pre-workout. There's ingredients that are missing. This one right here boldly states it's concentrated. Now, again, what does concentrated mean? They're, they're literally lying. And this is sort of when I sort of reached my limit. Uh, with the supplement industry, because as, as a senior science editor at Muscle and Fitness, I had to review products and recommend products. But then they started lying and saying, we concentrated our ingredients. Our gram of leucine has more leucine than everyone else's gram of leucine. How'd you do that? we concentrated Geez, that's interesting because I've been in science a long time and I have yet to hear a way to take a gram of leucine and make it smaller yet maintain the same properties as a full gram of leucine. Simply what they were doing was saying this quart of milk is the same as a gallon of milk. 
No. The quart of milk is less than the gallon of milk. So all they're saying is, we're going to charge you more for less, but tell you that it's been magically, scientifically concentrated. And why do they do that? Because they prey on the ignorance of the consumer. I don't know if it's conscious. I didn't even take science in high school. I don't know. Is that possible? Probably. And it worked. Everyone was fooled. And they sold products. And then every other manufacturer said, how are they selling less than five grams? Look at this scoop is seven grams, and the actives are four and a half grams of creatine monohydrate, beta alanine, arginine alpha ketoglutarate, citrulline malate, GPLC. You can't cram an effective dose of all those ingredients into four and a half grams. You can't. You can't concentrate creatine down anymore. A monohydrate, you can't concentrate. Beta alanine, you can't concentrate. Arginine, you can't concentrate. So what it is is just a basically grossly underdosed product, but they're telling you it's properly dosed because it's magically been concentrated. That, you know, is the outright line is the biggest problem with the industry. Can we go to the next slide? Huge problem though is safety. Safety. Safety is my biggest concern. Now, subsequent manufacturers have put in amphetamines in their pre-workouts and the fat burners. I've literally been drugged. I've been unknowingly given products, tests that I needed to test because of what I do for work, and was given methamphetamines, basically, that I didn't even know were in the products, as many other people were. Many people bought the products that were taken. Some of them using illegal anabolic steroids. There's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of old school tricks back in the day where a company would literally put in an anabolic steroid in the product. People would get results, create a big buzz, but before, you know, it sort of caught on and then it was tested, they would remove it. But there was such a big buzz that it caused, you know, such a fever of people buying the product that they made a lot of money, and then to test it, you know, the product that was tainted was already gone and used, and now they only had product that didn't have, that's just one of the tricks. But then there's also things like toxins that, uh, if, depending on where they're buying or sourcing their material from. A lot of cheap materials, uh, a lot of it comes from China. You can definitely buy quality material from China, everybody picks on China, but Unfortunately, there's a lot of cheap material as well, which is not as pure uh, as, as we would prefer to use. Uh, and, and unfortunately, that's, that happens. Next slide. And then there's just the safety of the actual ingredients that are even put in there, knowingly listed right on the label. 
dimethylamylamine is one that's recently been questioned on its safety. Ephedra has been removed. You can debate over the safety of ephedra or not, but these are some ingredients that, and there's many, many others that we can debate over their safety. Now, my stand on my supplement line is I won't use any ingredient that doesn't have a long history of not only lab data showing its safety, but human use, just human use in the real world. Like I said, I not only look at the lab data, I'm also interested in real life data. So an ingredient like caffeine, my pre-workout, the only stimulant in my pre-workout is caffeine. It's one of the most studied, well-known ergogenic aids out there. It's a well well-known for safety, and now we know caffeine even has multitudes of, uh, of health benefits. But, you know, I won't use an ingredient that's brand new, even if it does have lab safety data, because we don't know what it's, let's see it. I want to see it used. I want people to be using it. Those are the ingredients that I want to take, that I'm willing to put in my body. So I'm not willing to risk it with, with questionable uh, ingredients, and, and no one should be either. I'm tired of being a guinea pig. Like I said, I've, I've been unknowingly drugged. I've been giving, given uh, ingredients that may or may not be uh, safe. Uh, and that, you know, that, I, that I'm not okay with. So safety, is the most uh, critical, uh, the most critical thing when it comes down to supplements, not just efficacy or, or effectiveness. Now then uh, came uh, what's called protein spiking. Is anyone familiar with protein spiking? Hear what that is? So protein spiking, also known as nitrogen spiking or amino spiking, is a way to get your protein powder uh, to have far more protein than listed on the label. So this one claims it has 40 grams of protein. Now when we say protein, this is a whey protein blend. It's a whey protein powder. So when they say you're getting 40 grams of protein, you think you're getting 40 grams of whey protein, right? A complete protein. Well, let's look down here on the ingredient list. There's your whey protein, whey protein concentrate, whey protein isolate. Oh, there's a milk protein blend. There's some uh, casein, high isolate casein, whole milk protein, another a pea protein isolate, and a soy protein isolate. So those 40 grams should come from these protein sources. However, when we look here, they have this amino acid matrix. L-leucine, glutamine, creatine, glycine, taurine. The thing that's common on these ingredients are the last three letters. I-N-E, 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 I-N-E. Leucine, glutamine, creatine, glycine, taurine. You see these on the label, they're added because they contain nitrogen. That's how you measure protein, nitrogen. So, if you take a protein powder 
that has whey protein, casein, pea protein. Those are complete proteins. Amino acids like leucine and glutamine, while beneficial, are not complete proteins. So, they have nitrogen. These are included in that 40 grams. We don't know how much, but we know you're not getting 40 grams of pure, complete protein. You're getting 40 grams of protein in a variety of amino acids. Now, leucine, you would say, well, geez, leucine, that's great. I get extra leucine. It's the most anabolic amino acid. It spikes muscle protein synthesis. Isn't that great? Yes, but it's far cheaper to buy a gram of leucine than it is to buy a gram of whey protein. Far cheaper. The problem, however, is when we get into glycine and taurine, which are not amino acids that are used as building blocks for protein. Yet, they're part of that 40 grams of protein. Why is that? Because they're dirt cheap to buy. So, you can buy these cheap amino acids and then go, hey, we added amino acids to your protein powder. No, you didn't. That's not 40 grams of protein plus amino acids. That's 40 grams based on nitrogen content, meaning it's protein and amino acids, but we don't know how much is complete protein. And you're not going to tell us because you don't know how much you saved by using amino acids versus complete proteins. But suffice it to say, they're basically lying. And here's one, here's one right, you know, here's the, delivers 44 grams of whey protein per serving. Includes 17 grams of BCAs and glutamine. Now, that doesn't mean 44 grams of whey plus 17 grams. No, that means, let's do some math, subtract the 17 from the 44. That's how much protein you get. So, you're not getting what you paid for. That's called protein spiking or nitrogen spiking. And then there's false label claims. Now this is just a copy of my label because I'm not gonna put anyone else's label on the false label claims because false label claims means Instead of having 24 grams of protein, you literally have 20 in there when it tested out, but you decided to just list 24 because it sounds better. That happens. Sadly, that happens. So I can't put anyone's label on here to say, oh, because we don't know. So I'm just using mine as an example here. But what I do, so that you know, and you have a little more confirmation that the product is giving you 24 grams of protein in my blend, I'm telling you how much each protein source. Remember on those other protein spiking ones where they're giving you that protein blend, the micellar casein that I have, the milk protein isolate, the whey protein, the egg protein, they're not telling you how much of protein is in their total or each one of these. I'm breaking it down for you. 7.5 grams of this whey protein isolate. How about the egg protein? 2.5 grams. How about the milk protein isolate? 7 grams. The micellar casein? 7 grams. You add that up, 
24 grams. Clearly, a company that's going to break down the actual protein source isn't going to do any lying in the total because they want you to see, and you can have this tested out. But again, false label claims happen. Most proteins, most proteins fall at 10% under, at least 10% under label claims. So if they're claiming 20 grams of protein, it's probably 18. That's a stand, that's an acceptable standard in the supplement industry. 10% acceptable, not in my book. 100% is acceptable. And that protein doesn't add up to 24, I don't care if it's 23, 22. If you put 24 grams of protein on your label, it better be 24 grams of protein. There's no reason at all to be under unless your manufacturing processes are shady. There's no reason, absolutely no reason to be under. And then we have poor formulating and poor science, like this one. Look at this monster amino acid. It's an 8 to 1 to 1 ratio of leucine. My God, look at all that leucine. It's the most anabolic amino acid, right? What are the three branch chain amino acids? Leucine, isoleucine, and valine. What's their normal ratio? Two to one to one. Two to one to one. Leucine, isoleucine, valine. But look, we made it better. Better. More leucine. No, the research shows when you throw out that ratio, when you go crazy with the leucine, it's, it throws off the ratio. You don't have enough isoleucine and valine. These, these need to work. The three branch chains need to work together. You don't want to take leucine alone, nor do you want to take leucine. It's a crazy, crazy ratio. There's no science to support that this is going to activate more mTOR. You just get better with more, more branch chains, not more leucine. Uh, this one here, here's the old uh, buzzword. This is called buzzword formulating. What did Dr. Oz say? African mango extract and raspberry ketones. Then we better put them in our fat burner and you better list it on the front so everybody knows it's got those good ingredients that Dr. Oz was talking about. So what is in this product? Well, it, it has all that, but it doesn't tell you how much of any of it. Again, proprietary blend. So, multitudes of problems. You can go to the next slide. From proprietary blends, the concentrates, tainted products, questionable safety of ingredients, protein spiking, false label claims, poor formulating, poor science or no science at all. What has it done to the supplement industry? All, all of that. It's literally demonized what is a true science. Go to the next slide. So if you look at traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, many, 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 many years ago, what were they? What did they use? Were there pharmaceutical companies making drugs? No, they were using plant extracts. 
What are plant extracts? Supplements. What is aspirin? Where does aspirin come from? Do you know why we have aspirin? It was an extract in a tree. White willow bark. Salicylic acid. It's aspirin. We have aspirin, a medicine, because of supplements. So how did supplements go from being medicine? Used to treat disease. Medicine in the science to a laughing stock. Supplements don't work. Those pre-workouts don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. When they're underdosed, when they're lying, that they're concentrate. Yeah. Yeah, people lose faith. They don't work. They don't do anything. They're a waste of money. But they're not. They're not. As proven, we, we, we've known this. Like I said, Ayurvedic medicine. Traditional Chinese medicine. So, so how do we get back to sort of where it started? How do we bring the science back? This is education. Like I said, the supplement industry's been praying on consumers' ignorance, using it to make money. So they literally ruined the entire science by tricking people. So now no, no one trusts supplements. But it's so wrong because, like I said, if you know how to formulate, if you know the proper ingredients at the, at the proper dosing, Human Performance Lab here did a study on my pre-workout. I didn't contact the lab. I didn't fund the study. They did the study. Why? Because the main researcher believes in supplements. Why would a scientist believe supplements can work? When clearly they don't, right? Because they do. The educated people who understands how they can help, how to use them, understands that they can help. So, educating the consumer is really the only way we're going to make the change in the supplement industry that's going to force the regulation. Like you can't make regulation happen. I tried. I tried. When I was at Muscle and Fitness, my business partner and I, he was also Muscle and Fitness, he ran the digital side. We tried to bring the supplement industry together, the GNCs, the bodybuilding.coms, the muscle techs, the optimum nutritions, and agree on creating some kind of standardizations for the industry. Some regulations within the industry itself, because the Wild West. It's getting crazy. But it turned into almost a fist fight. You just can't get manufacturers and retailers to agree. You can't even get scientists to agree, right? We all have our sort of theories and our, and our biases. But the consumer is the one who's going to make the change. Let's look at the food industry already. Where are trans fats? And high fructose corn syrup today. They're being removed from our foods. Why? 
Could the food industry decide, hey, we need to make safer, more healthier products? No. People stop buying it and say, we don't want trans fat. I'm not buying your cookies if it's got trans fat. I'm not buying your cereal if you're putting high fructose corn syrup in it. So the food industry has stopped putting those ingredients in there because it was hurting their bottom line. They couldn't sell products. That's when the change came. And in the supplement industry, it's already taking place. Proprietary blends are starting to go away. Oh, they're out there. But any company that's selling a proprietary blend is not holding their head up high. They're hiding it in the sand, hoping that no one calls them out. Concentrates. We've blown the lid on that one. Now people know. That's a lie. You can't concentrate an amino acid that's already been concentrated out to its finest form. They know that. Spike protein. People know now what to look for. Look for those IAEs in the ingredient list, those aminos. That means they're putting in other sources to bring up the protein content. It's working already. But we have to continue working. So I've created what I call the five pillars of supplementation. Whoa, sorry. It's just a, a conceptualization of proper supplement manufacturing and buying. So this works from both ends. It works from the manufacturing end. If a manufacturer wants to formulate and manufacture better products, and if a consumer wants to buy and use better products, these five pillars work. Now the five pillars, you can go to the next one, is based on a nutrition foundation, right? You can't worry about taking creatine, or what form it is, or the dosing, or what you're taking it with, or when you're taking creatine, unless your nutrition plan is sound. So that's the first thing. You have to work on creating a sound nutrition plan. And any supplement manufacturer that's out there should be working with educating their consumers on how to do that. Not just saying, here, take these. Right? We've got to educate how to use them. Now, if you prop these ingredients, I'm going to break these down in a minute, the supplement form, the supplement dosing, the supplement synergies, the supplement timing, go to the next slide. Those prop up your results, whether those are performance, body composition, health. So let's break down each pillar now. Starting with the first one, ingredients. So with ingredients, we're talking about ingredients that are both efficacious and safe, right? Safety. Safety is most critical and their effectiveness. But like I said, you can't just look at the lab. You also have to look at what it's doing in the real world. Has anyone heard of something called GACIC? Do you remember GACIC? Yeah, some, some do. Great research. Great research. Increased strength and power. Phenomenal. A couple of studies, actually. Two or three on it. Then the supplement came out. It was recommended to take exactly as it was in the study. And where is GACIC today? Nowhere. Nowhere. One of the most 
promising, exciting supplements based on lab research was a complete dud in the real world. It just doesn't work for whatever reason. That's why it has to work in both the lab and the gym. Same with safety. I don't just want to look at toxicology studies. I want to see people using that ingredient in the real world of daily life for many years. And then the other one on ingredients, is it the best ingredient for that job? Do you want to go with arginine or citrulline? Which one is better if you're going for nitric oxide boosting? Arginine might sound like the better one since arginine is directly converted into nitric oxide in the body. However, research shows that citrulline is taken up better than arginine, and citrulline gets converted to arginine in the bloodstream, which then goes to nitric oxide. So if you give the same dose of citrulline and the same dose of arginine, your blood arginine values are higher with the citrulline. So citrulline would actually be a better ingredient in a nitric oxide booster versus arginine. Once you know your ingredients are safe and effective, what form is it in? Remember, just because an ingredient performs a role in the body doesn't mean you can get that ingredient inside the body. Take ATP. Have you guys heard of the supplement ATP? You know what ATP is, right? Exercise uh, science majors, adenosine triphosphate. You cannot take adenosine triphosphate with three phosphates attached to it, consume it, expect it to stay as it is, and get into the muscle. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. But it's a supplement. It works a different way, but it doesn't work through providing ATP directly to So you got to get them in the body. Creatine. Creatine monohydrate. I prefer hydrochloride because you need far less. That doesn't mean it's concentrated. It just means the hydrochloride enhances the solubility. Creatine that's more soluble is taken up better. The creatine hydrochloride gets taken up somewhere 60 to 70% better than monohydrate. So you can do the math there. If it's taken up 60 to 70% better, you need a far smaller dose because more is taken up less is being wasted. And then you can talk about L-carnitine, L-tartrate versus an acetyl L-carnitine. Different roles, the acetyl group helps with the uptake, it helps passing the blood-brain barrier. The L-carnitine, L-tartrate form is used more for getting into the muscle. So there's different forms as well as just the ingredients. Now once you know you've got solid ingredients, the proper forms, your next pillar is the dosing, proper dosing. Now I talked about proprietary blends where they don't tell you the dose, and then I talked about the concentrates where they micro-encapsulate, micro-micronize uh, the dose, concentrate, which is a complete lie. If you know the dosing of ingredients are proper, then you know that a proprietary blend that doesn't list the dosing is not an effective supplement or a concentrate because it's not an effective dose. So dosing is important. Once you know you have ingredients 
that are safe, effective, the proper form at the proper dose, what synergies are you going to use? What are you going to combine it with? Are you going to combine creatine with a dextrose to enhance its uptake by the muscle? Are you going to combine creatine with beta-alanine? There's research that shows that when beta-alanine is taken with creatine, the results from the creatine are enhanced. So that's a good synergy. On the fat burning side, a good synergy might be caffeine and carnitine, where the caffeine frees up more fat from the fat cells. Carnitine helps ensure that those fatty acids get taken into the mitochondria where they're burned. So again, good synergies there, and then there's also synergies of uptake. Can you include ingredients like black pepper extract, piperine, which enhances the intestinal uptake of ingredients? So those are different synergies that you want. The last thing you want to do is take creatine monohydrate, mix it in a glass of water, and drink it. It's not going to be effective. It's not going to be taken up properly because you don't have an insulin spike. So you need to have other ingredients with certain ingredients. And then once you have ingredients formed down the dosing, you have proper synergies, when are you going to take the supplement? How soon before workout? Post-workout? Pre-workout? Is it a fat burner? When do you want to take it? Do you want to take a fat burner before workout? Or do you want to take it at another time of day? This all matters based on the person's goals and based on the supplement. So once you have all those pillars, like I said, whether you're manufacturing, creating a supplement, following those guidelines, or you're trying to buy and use a proper supplement, it helps both ways. And then the results, like I said, not just results as far as body composition, performance, health, but results as far as a better, safer supplement industry. Because again, like I said, it's education. Creating smarter supplement consumers are gonna create that regulation create a better supplement industry so that someone who can't get a product that's made by me can feel confident that it's a safe and effective product. And really, I mean, that's really the goal that I'm trying to do as far as the education here and changing that industry. And that's one of the reasons why those of you who have been following me, I actually partnered with GNC because GNC has, you know, they screwed up a lot. They screwed up a lot, and they realize that they've replaced their staff, and so they're following me with the education and trying to create a better industry. So I'll leave it at that. What I really would like to do is, for those of you who are interested, is to just go, go with your questions. Just shoot. It doesn't have to be related to supplements. It could be as simple as, what's that tattoo in the back of your head? <laughs>